Bibles, if you have a word of God, a copy of the Word of God with you, to the Gospel of Luke, um, Luke's Gospel, chapter nine. The word should be on the the reading should be on the um, on the screen, and um, Luke Gospel. Chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. So I'm going to read that and we're going to um, um, speak the word of God. Verse 1 says this. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went out, went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John, who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see Jesus. Just a quick word of prayer, shall we? Just let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, pray that you will help us as we um, look at this word together. Father, pray that you will be um, too with Kim as she signs. Lord, to the deaf people, may everyone have a clear understanding, Father, of what you have to say today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, tonight, as Jim said, we are having a discussion tonight. And if you're able to, to come and, and to share on that, um, because we've been speaking over the last few weeks about the Holy Spirit of God. And again, I'll be speaking about it here tonight, this morning. So maybe you have questions and thoughts. If you have, then tonight is a time for you. Looking for a sign. Looking for a sign. Don't know about you, but um, when I, um, I remember making a cup of coffee um, and I had all the ingredients that you have, your coffee, you put your hot water in. As I poured the hot water in, the mug completely smashed on the, on the table. And I realized there was a problem with the mug. You know, there might have been a crack in it or there might be some kind of blemish in it. Uh, but whatever was wrong, it could not be used. And, you know, if you have a coffee cup and you see a crack in a coffee cup, it's best to change it because the vessel is broken, it's damaged, it's better not be used. Well, the reason why I, I say this, because my first heading is broken vessels. Broken vessels. And when you look at verse 1, we read these words. When Jesus had called the twelve together... He gave them power. When Jesus had called the 12, 
I want you to think for one moment who these 12 was. These 12 men were made up of bro- were broken men. They were made up of men of, from different areas. We had a, a man who was a tax collector, known for his greed and overcharging. We have one amongst these guys was called Simon the Zealot. He was a ruffian. He was a fighter. He wanted to take on the Romans single-handedly if he had to. He was a fighter. He was among the twelve. We had a bunch of fishermen, men who said that we are full of sin. And, you know, so when you look at the twelve, you had men who were full of pride, men who were jealous even of one another. Let's go back. We have men who were violent, men who had doubts, Men who was rebellious. Men who were greedy. We can go on and on and on. These things and much more made up the 12 disciples. They were broken vessels. They were men who had damaged lives. They were men who came from bad past. They were not squeaky clean guys. They were not holy men. They were broken vessels. And these broken vessels are the ones that Jesus called. You know, he still are calling broken vessels today. I'd like you to know that. That's his business. He calls broken vessels. You might be sitting here this morning and you might be saying to yourself, you know, I haven't got it completely right. I've made some mistakes. I haven't been the son that I should be. I haven't been the daughter that I should be. I haven't been the husband that I should be. I haven't been the wife that I should be. You know, there's things in me that I know. No one else knows it really, but I know there's things in me that are broken. I want to tell you this morning. Jesus still calls and deals with broken vessels. And before we look at what he gives these men, I want you to see the one who gives because the one who calls them and the one who gives, the Bible, Paul writes in Ephesians, look what he, how he describes the Lord Jesus Christ. Look how he describes him in Ephesians. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated, that seated Christ, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in this present age but also in the one to come in other words Jesus Christ is seated in a very high position he's seated the Bible says far above every power every dominion that's where he's seated you know when I was younger I used to fancy myself as a bit of a runner you know, um, 100 meters sprint, you know. Now, I can't even run for a bus. You know, you see me running for a bus now. I just jump in the car and just, you know, don't run anywhere anymore. But um, just imagine, you know, even at my age, just imagine lining me up with um, Usain Bolt for the 100 meter dash. You would say, Jerry, you're out of your league. Usain Bolt probably can do... 500 meter sprint before you get to the end of the 100 meter line, you know, you're out of your league. He is far above you when it comes to speed. And you'll be right. 
But I want to tell you now, when you look at the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not in the same league as evil spirits. He's not in the same league as demonic activity. You hear about this in our news or you hear people playing with Ouija boards or all this rubbish and signs and wonders on the demonic side. Jesus Christ is not even in their league. The Bible says that he is far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion. He is far, far above them all. And it's him who deals with broken vessels. You and me, broken Broken men, broken women, broken lives. He deals with broken vessels. And this Jesus Christ turned around and he says to his disciples, he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I have all authority. No one else have it. I have it. Whatever someone else says to you, don't believe them. I have all authority. Now, it's that wonderful authority that he, he has, Jesus has, that he takes broken lives and he puts them together. There was a, a gangster over in America called Nicky Cruz. Some of you know the story of Nicky Cruz, Run Baby Run, or Cross of the Switchblade, a very violent gangster. And he wrote his story in one of those books, Run Baby Run, or the, the other one, Cross and the Switchblade. But he wrote how once he was a criminal, carrying a knife and and robbing and stealing, once he was steeped into crime, but the power of Christ transformed and changed him. The authority of Christ changed him. We was in our home group, Jim mentioned home groups recently, he was in our home group, and as we were just discussing round, we realized that there were people in our home group who had marriages that were broken by divorce. And divorce has been very, very hard in their, in their lives. And yet, we see that God is able to mend brokenness even from divorce. Broken lives. And yet, the one who heals, the one who puts things together, the one who brings life together again is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is far above all rule, all power. And my dear friends, this morning, if you, are, if you know that you're, you've got issues in your life, you know that things in your life is not as they ought to be, I want to tell you, come to Christ. Come to Christ. He is able to put things together again. He deals with broken people. So the second thing I want to say about our message today is, is uh, not only the broken vessels, but also... Um, oh, let me just run that first before I rush off to my second point. Because um, this, this, this is... This is um, I've got my second point. Let's, let's go through this. Heavenly power. Get my thought pattern. Heavenly power. What did Jesus give these men to do? Let's read it, shall we? In our, in our Bible first, it says here, when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So Jesus gave them power to drive out all demons. He gave them power to cure diseases. He gave them power to heal the sick. 
He also gave them power to preach the kingdom of God. Jesus gave these men the authority and the power to do all these things. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. In fact, these men who were broken vessels, these men who had no credentials, was given the authority by Christ to go out into the surrounding areas and to do incredible, amazing, life-changing things. And although they stumbled along the way, when it came to the Acts of the Apostles, we read these words. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised with you, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus tells these 12 men, you will receive power. You will receive divine strength. When my spirit comes upon you, you will be able to do incredible and amazing things. That's what Jesus tells them that they're going to do. Now the question is, does the Holy Spirit still heal the sick today? The question is, yes, he does. Does the Holy Spirit still drive out evil spirits from men's lives and from situations? Yes, he certainly does. Does the Holy Spirit still enable men to speak the word of God with power and with boldness? Yes, he certainly does. I cannot make it clear enough to you this morning that Jesus Christ still sends his spirit out into the church in order to do great and wonderful and mighty things in the name of Christ. The Holy Spirit is still active and still able to do amazing things in our lives. Praise be to God. But as I looked at it, as I think on these things, I realize it's not in the same way as you may think he will work. Not in the same way as you think he will work. The reason why, you know, we live in a day of the celebrity. We live in a day, don't we, where constantly we're looking at superstars. We're looking at you know, the Oscars, it's always in the news, you know, the Oscars, the celebrities, the superstars, these famous people all around us. And sadly, what the church has done, the church is looking now for their own superstars. They're looking for their famous people. They're looking for the ones that can be, um, you, know, you know, the Oscars of Christianity, They're looking for the famous guys. And so, you know, you have people running up and down for faith healers. They hear a faith healer over there, they they run over there. Or you, You hear someone who's got a church of thousands and he's healing the sick. And so we run over there and and there's people raising up one man on stage. 
And everybody, thousands of people are around him. And, you know, I've seen churches where one man is there and, and he's preaching or he's speaking. And people are coming up and they're throwing 10 pounds, 20 pounds at him. You watch the television program and you see these men sitting there and they're saying, now, you know, just send me $20 and I'll pray for you. It was always an American accent. Sorry, Jim, but it's always an American accent. (laughs) Send me $20 and I'll pray for you. And so people are getting their checkbooks out and they're sending money over to these people because they think that this man who is telling them on the television that they're going to pray for them, is going to bring healing. I want to tell you something. Listen to me clearly. In the church of Jesus Christ, there's only one superstar. In the church of Jesus Christ, there's only one who is meant to be famous, in fact, infamous. Only one. No one else can take that spot. No one else can take that limelight. There's only one who takes the center stage in the whole church, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I I, I haven't seen it, but I like Andrew Lord Webber's title for his play, Jesus Christ, Superstar. Very rocky type, but actually he's got it right in one sense. He is the only one who should be center of the church. But what actually has happened is that the church has taken the eyes of a Christ. And do you know what they've done? They've placed their eyes on men. God chooses to heal and work. I want to tell you, he chooses to heal and work through broken vessels. There was a story, a couple of stories that I've heard. Some of you know of a, a man called Ravi Zacharias. He's a, a, a great preacher all over the world, but... Ravi Zacharias, for 27 years, had had a serious back complaint. And um, he went under the knife. He had an operation for for his back complaint of no avail. In fact, every time he preached, he had to sit down afterwards because his back was in excruciating pain. There were many people who prayed for him. Many people who prayed for him. But after one meeting, he, he got off the stage... And this 12-year-old boy came up to him. This is a true story. You can look it up on the internet. A 12-year-old boy came up to him, just recently saved. And the 12-year-old boy said, Mr. Zacharias, can I pray for you? And Ravi Zacharias thought to himself, well, yeah, sure, you can pray for me. Everybody else can pray for me. You can pray for me too. The little boy just prayed a simple prayer. The next day, the very next day, His testimony was he got up in the morning and there was no complaints in his back at all. It had never come back. A 12-year-old boy prayed. You see, God is not in the business of puffing up preachers. Don't make any mistake. He's not in the business of puffing up preachers. He's not in the business of making a name of a church great. He's not in the business of making people really looking great and good. He's not in that business. God is in the only business, the only thing God is interested in is making his own name great. That's the only thing God's interested in. Not your name being fantastic or my name being great or the church's name being the one that's known in Loughton. No way, no sir. 
He only wants the name of Christ to be highly exalted. Look at what it says in um, Philippians. Therefore, hallelujah, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is God's intention. Now, how can I apply this to us this morning? God can do a great work while you're sitting in your pews. God can have his healing hand upon you while you're sitting here listening to my voice. God can touch you from at the back of the church, let alone from the front of the church. God can touch you from the person sitting next to you. Someone turn around to you and say, can I pray for you? God can use that broken vessel who's sitting next to you, that broken vessel who you came into the church with, that broken vessel that you meet here every Sunday morning. God can use that broken vessel to touch you and to pray, that guy to pray for you and you to be tremendously blessed, restored, healed and filled with the Holy Spirit. God can do that through broken vessels. And he often uses broken vessels. Listen to what the Bible says. I hope I've got it here. It says over here in... Um, can you just go to the next slide for me? Uh, I don't know if I've got that, that one there. We might not be... Okay, not that one. Go back again, um, please. Um, the verse over in Hebrews 4. I want to read this verse to you in Hebrews 4. Look what it says. Hebrews 4. And verse 16 says this. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence or with boldness so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us, listen, it says let us individually Approach the throne of grace with boldness. Don't wait for the pastor. Oh, you go and I sit here and wait for you to come back. You go and pray for me and because you're, you're the man who knows how to speak and you're, you're the one who knows how to, to, you know, to do the thing. So you do it for me and I sit back and I'll watch you know. The command of God's word is this. Let us all, each and every individual one of you, approach the throne of grace. And when you approach the throne of grace, you can pray for anyone you like. You can come into your bedroom, your children are in sleep, and you can say, oh God, I'm approaching the throne of grace and I'm praying for my children, that your hand of blessing will be upon them. You can walk into, um, you, into your marriage and you can put your arm around your wife or your, your wife's arm around you. So I'm just praying, I'm approaching, I am coming to the Lord, to the throne of grace, and I'm bringing you with me. Anyone can approach the throne of grace. You see, we live, I've got to come on to that, but this is what God wants the church to know, that his Holy Spirit is at work, and he can be at work in your life while you're sitting in your seat. Don't need no fancy preacher. Don't need no one with gold rings and fancy shoes and 
2,000-pound suits and, you know, a mansion somewhere else. You know, don't need those men and women to be in your life. What you need is a relationship with the almighty God through the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what's needed. Praise be to God. Let's move on as I wrap up this sermon in, the, in my, last, my last point here. And there's a lot here for us to discuss tonight. Let's move on because, uh, oh, thank you for finding that verse. There it is right here. Let's move on. I need to go past heavenly power. And um, just move down to my next heading. There it is. An indisputable sign. An indisputable sign. Look what it says here in verse 6. So they went out, this is the 12, from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. We are told that these men went out, they must have been amazed, carrying so much authority, seeing demons coming out from people, seeing people being healed and restored to health. It must have been wonderful for them to um, to be experiencing that. God was at work. But now we're introduced for the first time to a character here. We're introduced to a man called Herod. Herod. Some call him a king. Some call him a a ruler. But he was definitely someone of great importance in Galilee. So Herod is now mentioned in our Bible reading. And I want you to look at Herod. Because he's very important. Herod said, I beheaded John... Who then is this I hear such things about? I'm hearing that demons are being chucked out of people's lives. I'm hearing that people are being sick or being healed. I'm hearing that the gospel, the kingdom of God is being preached. This Jesus is making his name famous. I need to see him. And he tried to see Jesus. You know, I believe Herod represents many men and women of our day, you know. Herod represents many people within churches, many people outside of churches. Herod represents many because he had heard some amazing reports. He's heard that Jesus can do some wonderful things. And so he wants to make some effort to try to see Jesus. I asked myself, how did he do this? How did a king, King Herod, how did he make effort to see Jesus? Maybe he, he got his cavalry together. I don't know. Maybe he got some bodyguards and he said, and he heard that Jesus was in Nazareth or he heard that Jesus was in Galilee or he heard that Jesus was in Capernaum and he thought, I'll take my boys with me and I'll go and see Jesus. I don't know. Maybe he disguised himself, pretending not to be a king anymore so he can slip into the crowd. And see Jesus work a miracle. I don't know how he did it. But the Bible says that he really, really wanted to see Jesus. Why did he want to see Jesus? Well, he wanted to see Jesus because he wanted to see a miracle. That was the only reason why he wanted to see Jesus. He had no desire to hear him preach, no desire to follow him, no desire to obey him. 
All he wanted to do was to see Jesus do a miracle. You know, I believe the church is full of men and women like that. In fact, society is full of men and women like that. All they want is to see a miracle. And they can see a miracle. That'd be enough for them. They could go away there, yeah, well, I've seen that miracle now. You know, and churches in the UK and in the States, churches in the UK, they play to that. They know that. They play to that. So you have advertisements like, you know, come and get your breakthrough. Come here to this church and get your breakthrough. Come and receive your healing. Come and see signs and wonders. And they advertise these things on their billboards. Why? Because they know that the heart is like Herod's heart. The heart is so corrupted that all we want is to see a miracle. And if we can see a miracle, then the church will be full and packed out. And people flock for these meetings all the time. They make effort. They jump on buses and coaches. They make effort to get to church because somebody promised that they will see a miracle. But I want you to see how Jesus deals with Herod. I want you to see how Jesus deals with him. Jesus knows him from a distance. I want you to see how Jesus deals with Herod. And I want you to see how Jesus deals with men and women who come to him for the wrong reasons. Look how Jesus deals with Herod. We go to Luke 23. Now, Jesus has been arrested. He's been arrested and he's been taken to Pilate. Pilate said, oh, he's not from this area. He's from, he's from Galilee, um, King Herod's joint. Send him over there because, you know, let King Herod deal with him. And so we pick the story up. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased. Because for a long time, he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He piled him with many questions. But look at this. He piled him with many questions. But Jesus gave him no. Not only didn't Herod see a miracle, but Jesus didn't even want to speak to him. Jesus didn't even want to speak to him. He said not a word to him. Isn't that amazing? The man who tried to see Jesus, the man who wanted to see a miracle, the man who wanted to be entertained, the man who wanted to see something marvelous happen before his eyes, that very man did not even get to hear the gracious words of Christ coming from his lips. Listen to me carefully. God is still able to heal. His power has not diminished one iota. But we have a nation full of King Herods. We have churches full of men with the same attitude of King Herod. They will tell you anything they want to tell you. They'll come and sit in churches all day long. But their hearts are not willing to follow Christ. No, no, no. They're only here because they want to see something amazing take place. 
I heard people traveling to other parts of the country, going to Toronto somewhere, to the sea. They hear that people are, are, are doing things that are strange to their ears. And they thought, let me go over to Toronto. And, and there I see people falling on the floor and barking like dogs and, and trembling around. And, and, and that might be God, they say to themselves. And they go over there only to be deceived and discouraged. Make huge efforts. The power of God... It's not for entertainment. It's not for entertainment. The spirit of God is not to make you have an interesting Sunday morning. The spirit of God is not there so you can feel something tingling in your inside. No, no, no. The spirit of God is there to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That is his main and only real purpose is to turn the spotlight upon Christ and his authority. So what is the indisputable sign? What is the sign that we can leave Sunday morning and say, this is a sign, what is it? Well, Jesus speaks and Jesus turns around and he says, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign. Hear what Jesus is saying. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign. They're looking for miracles and signs and what they're looking for. That's all they want to see is a sign. Jesus says they're wicked and they're adulterous. And he says, but none will be given except the sign of Jonah. He then left and went away. He says, you know, I will do miracles. I will heal the sick. I'll do it in my own time. In fact, sometimes Jesus did it secretly. Do you know how he done his miracles? He done it secretly. He would touch a man and give him sight. And he says, don't tell anyone that I touched you. He would get a man and walk and take up your mat. And then he would slip into the crowd and no one knew who told him to take up his mat and walk. You see how different we live in? We live in a society where, come and see me. Hey. I'm the man up front. Come and see me. Bring, hey, bring your checkbook as well. But come and see me. I'm here. We live in that kind of day. We live in that day. That's why I believe we're not seeing the supernatural, the wonderful working of God in churches in the West so much because a wicked and adulterous generation is looking for a sign. But none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. What is the sign of Jonah? What is that sign? What is that indisputable sign? The sign that no one can, compl- and can dispute, no one can argue against. What is that sign that is indisputable, that is the sign of Jonah? i tell you what it is. Jesus said it himself. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm going to die on the cross. And when I die, I'm going to go down into the grave. Three days, I'm going to be dead for. Jonah was in the belly of the whale, the fish, for three days. Jesus said, that is going to be a sign for you. Because when I die on the cross, I'm going to die and I'm going to go into the grave for three days. And guess what? Jonah came out from that belly of the fish. The fish spewed him out and he landed on the land. Jesus said, you know what? A day is coming that I'm going to rise from the dead. 
Hallelujah. Praise be to God. A day is coming that I'm going to give you a sign. That sign is going to be that no one's going to find my bones on earth. No one's going to find my human remains in some tomb somewhere. No, 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 sir. I'm going to rise from the dead and I'm going to live forever in God's presence. That is the sign of Jonah. It's not been disputed yet. Christ has risen from the dead. And that is the power of Christ. What a sign. Therefore, as I conclude my message, can I just say to you that the Spirit of God is still at work. You, in your pews, can have the authority to go to the throne of grace and to pray that God's Spirit will come down upon somebody and touch them. And I tell you now, God can hear that prayer. You do not have to be a man who stands at the front. You can be a man. You be a woman who believes God. That's all you need to be, a man who believes God, and he will do a mighty and a glorious work in your life and the life of those around you. But look for one sign only. Don't look for the sign of miracles to save you. Only one sign that will save you. That is the resurrection of Christ. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Praise be to God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we live in a day, Lord, where so many people are looking. They're looking for signs. Oh God, we live in a generation where so many people promise signs. And yet, Lord God Almighty, they're so quick to disappoint. But Lord, we come to you this morning. We come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that he is the one who's given the undisputable, the indisputable sign. And we look to the resurrection of Christ and we say, thank you, Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Lord, that this life is not the end. It's not all about here. Thank you that by your resurrection you have shown us and you've opened a way for another and a new way into your glory. Thank you, Lord, that we are not done when we breathe our last here, but we have everlasting life in your presence. Father, we bless you and we praise you. We give you all the glory. Oh, send your spirit down in this house, we pray. Send your spirit down, we ask of you. Cause the people who are sitting before me today, cause them to desire themselves to pray for one another, to pray for the person behind them, to pray for the person next to them, to pray for the person, oh God, at home. Make us, oh God, a church that is willing to go ourselves to the very throne of grace and to lay hold of all your blessing in a time of our need. Help us, Lord, we pray to the glory and to the praise of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand, shall we, as we sing these two songs of worship in Christ.